0: But I think that is an accurate Thing that baptism does, it would make it comparable to a pledge you make when joining a club, to, to an activity you take. I, I hate to compare it to a fraternity, <laughs> but you know the, the the frat pledge or whatever it is. It's consistent with that. It's also consistent with the way the Jews used baptism, because we want to remember baptism is a right that we borrowed from the from the Jews, or that we co- we copied. And when I say we, I mean Jesus Christ said to do this, so it's not like we un, you know illegitimately took someone else's. Uh, practice, because Jesus told us to baptize, but he would understand it, at least in part, the way the Jews understood it. And, and baptism was one of the things that if a, a, a Gentile, a non-Jew, chose to become a Jew, one of the things he had to do was to be baptized. And, and they saw that as part of the, they had three things they had to do, sacrifice, offering, and baptism. And the one of those was baptism, and it was part of the rite that brought you out of where you were into the Jewishness. And once you were had gone through this process, you were recognized as a Jew. You were no longer a Gentile; you were now a Jew. You were the, it was complete. You had been changed, and they, they was it was how, so. It is consistent with how the Jews viewed baptism. Uh, it would have been in the forefront of the people's thinking at Pentecost. Pentecost, the birthday of the church. Peter preaches his sermon. He says, he says uh, you're the ones who killed Christ. They respond and says, what should we do? And Peter said, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses, uh, verse 38. Uh, this is the very first Christian sermon. Uh, 3,000 people are about to get saved. They, they're struck as they recognize their guilt for the death of Christ. And, and they tell, tell Peter... Um... verse 37, now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the the apostles brothers what shall we do and Peter said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and it would have been in the forefront of every Jew's thinking that that baptism was the initiation rite, it was what you do because that's what they were familiar with, they understood that, it's how you became a Jew if you weren't one, it's how you would become a Christian if you weren't one. They didn't see it as a means of grace. They saw it as, as the, the initiation right. It wasn't bringing, making them Christian. It was something they did to show they were Christian. It, it was a consistent idea. It would have been how they thought. Uh, okay, so that, that's one. It's an initiation right is, is, I think, an accurate way to put it. Another correct answer is it is a symbol of what Jesus Christ did for us and a representation of what he did for us. And and this is my favorite passage to go to for baptism, is Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, Paul is giving them a logical uh, argument, uh, using baptism as a picture of how we are united with Christ, of how baptism represents him, and what he did for us. So Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through... uh, Well, I wrote down 14 uh, because the whole passage is there. I usually don't go that far. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And you you see that he's he's making this, this illustration, this application of baptism as a picture of us entering into the new Christian life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And we have the picture in baptism: we go down into the water, right—a representation of death and burial, resurrection to a new life. And so we have this picture of what we what Jesus has done for us. We have a picture of our union with what he did. We are to walk in a new life. Uh, Let me continue. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin, for the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over us. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members as sin to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. We see this whole picture of us entering into a new life pictured by baptism. So it is a representation of what he did for us. It is a showing of our union with him. We identify with him. As he died, we died. We represent what he did. We symbolize death. We symbolize burial. We symbolize new life. And with that I want to just say baptism is a symbol. A symbol is a small thing that represents a big thing, and oh, I left it somewhere. I had a page, stop sign. Uh, stop sign is, is uh, a symbol, right? One word, stop, and you go, well, Steve, it's not a symbol. It's a word. It means what it says. Do you realize how much that stop sign means? I mean, it doesn't mean stop, or you'd just stop and stay there. <laughs> right? It means stop, yield right of way to cars or pedestrians coming from the op- opposite way and then go when it's clear. It means if there's, a, if there's a lined crosswalk, you stop behind the crosswalk. If there's not, you make sure you stop behind the sign. Now, think about that for a minute. How many of us actually do that? I mean, those, I always go beyond that sign. And then, and then if, if there's a stop sign, but there's, there's like, I, I picture, picture the corner where Family Foods is, you can't see around that corner from the stop sign. Legally, you're supposed to stop behind the stop sign, then if it's clear of pedestrians, then you roll forward close enough to see, stop again, and then go. And if it's a four-way stop, you know how complicated a four, I, I, I was looking for the page I printed up, it was a full, Uh, full-size page printed up of the instructions of what to do at a four-way stop and they can't write all of that on the sign So they put a word that says stop and we are supposed to recognize that that symbol represents all of that What is a symbol a small thing that represents a big thing? Right it is a way of saying a lot in a little bit of space Okay, that is a symbol baptism is also a symbol Okay Um, Baptism can mean a lot of things. It can mean a clean slate, right? Uh, I have known, and I don't think this is illegitimate, I've done a couple of baptisms for people. It's, it's not something I recommend people come to me and ask. I've never told someone, well, you should be baptized again, because I don't think theologically we can tell somebody you should be baptized again, unless they had an infant baptism. If you've, all you've had is an infant baptism, I will tell you, you should be baptized again, so that it actually means something. Okay? Infant baptism, I will just tell you, means something. Nothing. Okay? Baptism is a believer's response in faith to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Okay? Infant baptism means your parents didn't have good doctrine. Sorry. Uh, I was baptized as an infant, by the way, (laughs) but I was also baptized as an adult. Okay? Um, So, uh, a clean slate. I've had people come to me and say, you know what? I was baptized, I was a believer, but since then I have lived an ungodly life. And I, I, I just want to be baptized again as a restatement of it. And to that person, that was a representation to them of, of saying, I want to start over with Christ. I want to start with a clean slate. And I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't think it's unbiblical. It's not something where you have to. The Bible doesn't say you have to, but I, I respect it. Okay? It can be a sense uh, uh, to, to have belonging to, uh, as a Christian or as a church. Right. And, and there are churches out there that say to be a member of this church, you must be baptized in this church, which, again, I think is a very unbiblical, wrong thing to say. You don't find that in scripture. But if, if that is if it would make if it makes you feel now like I belong, that, then I think that's not a bad idea. Uh, a declaration of faith. I think that is a very real thing. Why do we why do we why do we get baptized? Right? Uh, well, it's, if, if it doesn't save us, why do we do this? Well, it's a declaration of my faith. I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And in some places, that's a lot bigger. And for some people, that's a lot bigger thing than for others. I don't see anything inconsistent with them as long as baptism is about our identification with Christ. And that's what baptism is. So moving on, how should we baptize? Well, I'm just going to say immersion is best. Okay, call it dunking. Uh, dunking. Uh, dunking is what it, it, it means. The options. The options, by the way, are immersion. We saw. We saw these options on the on the, the things. There were. Uh, there was. There was immersion, <laughs> dunking in water. There was pouring and sprinkling. Pouring meaning you take water and you pour it on the head. Sprinkling you. Pff, pff, <laughs> you know, <laughs> use a spritzer or something. I don't know. Uh, so so those are the options. Uh, very simply, immersion. First of all. One one reason—it's not necessarily the first reason—but one reason we do immersion is immersion was the Jewish method of baptism. Uh, The the Hebrew word, let's see—I have this here. Uh, Oh no, I don't have the Hebrew word. Uh, But if we're adopting a Jewish symbol, it makes sense that we would do it the Jewish way. but, But we're not doing it completely the Jewish way, by the way. I will tell you this much: because they would take the new convert. They would would take them to the the mikvah, the Jewish baptismal thing. Everybody had these, not everybody, a lot of people had these little pools, basically like a little step pool that you'd step down into and do this ceremonial dunk, and they did it regularly, actually. It was not an uncommon thing. But they would get two witnesses. The person would strip completely naked, go down into the water. If it was a man, he'd have men with him. If it was a woman, she'd have women with her. They'd go down, strip completely naked, dip down in there and do that. Okay, we're not doing that. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to acknowledge, we're not doing that, you know, uh, we, we recognize that's how they did it, we, we're doing it close enough, but it, still it was an immersion thing, it was, it's consistent with the Jewish way of doing it, second is that it best represents our death and resurrection, burial and resurrection in Christ, no form of baptism represents uh, that our fellowship, our partnership in what He has done for us, our consistency. It's why I like Romans chapter six so much, as as immersion, dumping into the water uh, and, and coming coming back up represents death to our old life, death to ourself, resurrection to new life, our identity with Christ, and and what He has done for us. So immersion does all of those things, and then simply the Greek word baptisma, where we get the word baptism means dunk, it, it, it means dip, it, it was, it's a word for instance, if you were going to ba- uh, dye cloth, you dunked, you baptized the cloth into the dye, right, I'm doing it like this, because in my mind, that's what they did, I don't know, <laughs> maybe they did this, <laughs> yeah. but, but uh, you didn't sprinkle, it. unless you're going to tie dye, you know, maybe that would work, but, but they, they dunked it, in and they, they baptized it, you know, if, if a Gentile goes to Dunkin' Donuts, A Jewish believer goes to baptized bagels. (laughs) I knew I had that written down. I wanted to to catch it, right? Uh, It's the same thing. It's it's just the the, the word means to dunk. Okay, the other forms of baptism are sprinkling or pouring, right? Uh, They come from the Old Testament. They aren't an unbiblical teaching, okay? They're not unbiblical. They're not contrary to Bible. Uh, In Revelation chapter, uh, not Revelation, Leviticus, (laughs) sorry, I had the L-E-V abbreviation, I've been thinking Revelation, so I was trying to do levitation. Anyway, (laughs) Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter 8, they're they're getting Aaron ready for the priesthood. He's going to be the very first high priest, and they're going through the process of how you uh, take this guy and anoint him, consecrate him to be the high priest. And so we go to Leviticus chapter 8, verse 30. and we read this then Moses took some of the anointing oil and of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and on his garments and also on his sons and his sons garments so he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and his sons garments with him and so he sprinkled them with blood and with oil and some people see that as a symbol of baptism and its baptism by sprinkling in numbers chapter eight verses 5 and 6. We find uh, another, uh, this time it's sprinkling with water. It's for cleansing. Uh, Numbers chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Uh, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the Levites from among the people of Israel and cleanse them. I'm going to keep reading. Thus you shall do to cleanse them. Sprinkle the water of purification upon them and let them go with a razor over their body and they go on and on about it. But he says, sprinkle them with water. Take the people and sprinkle them with water. It was symbolic of cleansing. And so we find these examples. In the Hebrews, we find the New Testament parallels, It's not just in the Old Testament we find it. And And you say, well, why are you uh, spending time talking about other means of baptism if you say immersion is is right uh, well I want to be fair first of all I want to be 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 honest uh, in what I say and what I do uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 says uh, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so we have this heart sprinkled clean. And so we find these examples of sprinkling uh, uh, or, or washing with water. So there is some part, some support for these types of baptism. We find these biblical, biblical precedents. Uh, so, so there's two reasons, two reasons why you would baptize by by sprinkling or pouring. Uh, the first is that we have this biblical precedent, and you can defend it biblically. The second is that mama doesn't like it when they dunk her infant. <laughs> and so they sprinkle or pour if you're going to do baby baptism. Uh, but And I want to say this about it, because I, I, like I said, I clearly believe... Uh, Immersion is the best way. It's it's the the best picture. It's it's the best representation. It's the best teaching tool uh, for baptism. But I want to say a symbol is as good as its meaning. In other words, it is the meaning that is important, not the symbol itself. For instance, alternative meanings to that stop sign. Slow down! Oh, slow down! That's (laughs) kind of sort of look. (laughs) I was gonna say spin tires on pavement, but (laughs) but uh, yeah, it's slow down. Is actually you're very honest, Debbie. (laughs) If your if your baptism was meaningful to you, then how important is the the way it was done? See, if it was meaningful to you in the sense that you saw it as your identification with Christ, if it was meaningful to you and that you saw it as you are now, uh, you are professing your faith and you are making that statement before other people, if you're doing that, then does it matter a whole lot how the symbol was done? You know, we have the universal sign for a stop sign is this, this red octagon. But what if you go to another place where it's a red triangle? It's it's, it's the the symbol means the same thing. It's it's what the symbol means is much more important. How it is done is secondary to the meaning coming across. Uh, And and so I I just say that because uh, I feel it is important to respect somebody's experience. You know, if, if you were baptized by pouring... I don't want you to think you had a second-rate baptism. If you were baptized by sprinkling, I don't want you to think you had a second-rate baptism. If it meant something to you, if it meant something about your faith and a statement of your faith, then then it's, it may be uh, a different kind of symbol, a symbol I don't like as well, but but it doesn't mean it was not meaningful and it's not valid, and so we want to re- hang on to that. At the same time, we as a church will always do a baptism by immersion if it's possible. And when I say it's possible, because I've, I've shared before, I don't want to just beat it to death, but you know, I've t- done two baptisms not by immersion. One was for uh, the sweet little old lady who couldn't handle the cold water of the pool and couldn't fold all the way into the hot tub. <laughs> And so she got down the hot tub and then we poured and the other was for a guy who had a a Shoulder surgery and wasn't allowed to get it wet so he kind of he went out into the water this deep And then I poured water on this side (laughs) And so this arm isn't going to be there in heaven it didn't get baptized Yes Uh, So so baptism you know how should it be done? I think immersion is the best way to do it. I think it's the most biblical but but and we will do it by immersion, but but we respect others. Another thing about baptism, though, is that baptism should always be done before witnesses. I mean, unless you are truly in danger of being killed for, for, for your baptism. But even then, I think you want, I mean, somebody's got to baptize you. you. There is such a thing as self-baptism in, in America. I honestly, I'll tell you, I would not respect it in America. Uh, not that my respect means anything. Uh, but... but uh, the the, the Jewish the Jewish system was three witnesses. Okay, that was that was like a legal test, a legal requirement. You know, in order to prove this in a court of law, you thou must have three witnesses. I don't think that's the purpose of having witnesses. Uh, I think for it is it is for some people who come and witness the baptism to to celebrate with you. You know, it's it's like going to a baptism is fun. Going to a baptism is rewarding. You you, you hear the testimony of the person being baptized. You you, you hear their statement of faith. You see the smiling faces of the loved ones around them. You get to clap and rejoice. And and it's just a blessing. It's a a cool thing to be a part of. Uh, For some, it is a chance to hear the gospel message. You know, They may not be saved themselves. They may not believe what you believe, but they, they see you going through this. They see the people gathered around. They, there's a powerful testimony in this. There's, there's a, you know, the, remember I said symbols speak more than words. Well, the symbology, the message that comes out from that is a powerful thing. And it's not easily forgotten, and so it offers a gospel message. It is your public declaration that you are a Christian, that you are changed from what you once were. And if you want to use it as a symbol of cleansing, that's great. Uh, It it does a lot of good things for us. I think it should be done before witnesses. Okay, But, but I want to come back to that question. Turn to Matthew 28, if you'd like, where Jesus first says we should be baptized. He doesn't say be baptized. He says do baptizing. Uh, which kind of implies the other, <laughs> unless you really want to be argumentative. Uh, Matthew 28:18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, so why do we baptize? And the answer would be to make disciples and to be disciples, right? Not to make believers and to be believers. That's not what he says. This is the only place Jesus talked about it, and he says to make disciples. Go there and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. To make disciples. But but the question why is natural, because if baptism doesn't save me, if it's this symbolic thing, if it's something from another culture, then why should I do it? It doesn't carry all that into me. What difference does it make? And, And I want to answer that by saying the question is wrong. The question is wrong. It's like asking mom, why do I have to take a bath? I'm just going to get dirty again, (laughs) right? And you go, well, the question is wrong. The question implies you're trying to get out of doing something. And if you're trying to get out of it, then why are you trying to get out of it? You know, who are you asking on behalf of? Uh, it betrays a mindset of trying to get out of something. Let's, let's look at the opposite mindset for a minute. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, I, I love this guy. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. Uh, you may not know this, but the Ethiopian church is one of the oldest churches in the world. Uh, if you Google oldest churches, you're going to hit Armenia. It's the oldest Christian nation. It's got some, some ancient old churches in there. Uh, it's the oldest Christian nation. But the Ethiopian church dates itself back to the Ethiopian eunuch. They claim ties to this guy, that he went there, and he modeled and taught and preached Christianity, and churches were established in Ethiopia. And, and the church, Ethiopian church, as of, as of 2010, when the last Operation World came out, the, the, the nation of Ethiopia was still over 60% Christian. You know, how could that be? This is North Africa. Well, it's almost North Africa. And, and uh, it's, it's northish. <laughs> and and, and uh, it's a mostly Muslim part. But, but Ethiopia is still a predominantly Christian nation, dating back to, to, to the time of uh, the, the effect of this guy. But I say all that, let me read about him uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. I want you to remember that. He was seated in his chariot. We're going to come back to that. Okay. Um, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you were reading? And he said, how can, I, how can I unless someone guides me? In other words, I don't get it. That's what he says. He says, do you understand what you're reading? I don't get it. And Philip says, oh boy, because Philip understood it. Right? Uh, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus, who was the answer to that passage. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? He didn't say, oh, water, I suppose I ought to get baptized. He didn't see water and say, I'm not going to look. I don't want to make contact. Don't want to bring the... He says, hey, there's water. Can I get baptized? That's what he says. He says, I want to get baptized. I, he, he just recognized that was an important thing to do. I, mean, I, I assume he'd seen Christians there. Maybe he'd heard about Christians doing it. But this guy had been baptized. He's, a, he's an Ethiopian right? He's not Jewish by, by birth. He's a convert to Judaism. And he, is, he, he had to be baptized to be into Judaism himself. He recognized that as a sign of, of identification, of joining the new group. He says, hey, there's water. I want to be a Christian. Can I be baptized? That's, he wants it. He's pursuing it. He's excited about it. I like this guy. It tells you something about his heart. Not only that, remember I said he was seated. You know why I want to, want to point that out? He was not driving the chariot. He was not alone. He's I don't, I mean, when I picture a chariot, you know, I picture Ben Hur, you know, he's riding in that chariot, he's like this, he's got six horses out there, and he's got his or four horses, he's got his whip, and he's got little spikes on the sides. He's trying to run everybody else off the road. You know, that's my vision of a chariot. This is like the limo chariot. This is the stretched chariot that this guy's riding in. Whatever it is, he's not alone in there. He's got a driver, he's probably got a guard, maybe he's got another attendant or two. This is this is not your little itty-bitty, you know. Sports coupe (laughs) that he's in. This is this is a big deal, and he's sitting there. And why do I bring that up? He's got witnesses. He doesn't care. They're not Christians. He doesn't care. He wants to get baptized. He's going to make a statement. This is public. He doesn't care. Who else is there? If there's a pool of water in in Israel, there's people there because it's not a wet place. He doesn't care. He wants this, and he want—he doesn't care if people know. Maybe he wants—maybe he's already thinking, "I want people to know." It doesn't bother him. He has got one priority. He's not—he's not—he's um, he, uh, not doing this to please the people around him. He's doing this because he wants to identify with Christ, and he wants to make this public. And we see his heart. He's not trying to protect himself. I, I'm worried about what people are going to think of me which I think is maybe one of the biggest reasons why people don't get baptized. And and you go, why are you talking about baptism in November anyway? I'll come back to that too. But but he didn't care about the details. He wanted Christ, and he wanted to make a visible statement of accepting Christ. And his heart, and therefore his actions, were about Christ. And the issue is not salvation. The issue is discipleship. Not, do you believe in Jesus? Because that's a question. Do you believe in Jesus? You can answer with your words. Are you a disciple of Jesus? You can only answer by your actions. Okay, He's going to have actions. He's not going to be merely a believer in Jesus Christ. He is going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. He is going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So why baptize? Why be baptized? Because Jesus doesn't want a church of lukewarm Christians going around looking out for their self-image or the image of, of, of others around them. He wants, doesn't want us making decisions based on our comfort level, right? He, he wants a church of followers who seek to do his will. So why preach this in November? <laughs> well, first of all, two reasons. First of all is, is uh, because we're in the what and why series. One of the things we do, the what, is baptize. Why do we do it? Because we want to be disciples and make disciples. Okay, reason number two I am not opposed to, I, so I want to. Someday before I die, I want to do a polar bear baptism. <laughs> in fact, I'm getting old enough, it may be why I die. <laughs> I'm okay with that. You know, if, if, if you are, you know, we, we can do this anytime, by the way. Uh, you know, we, we can do it, we, we can do it, typically, as a church, we, in the past, have gone down to the river, they in the summer that one day, and we kind of save them up and go down that one day to the river and do baptisms, and and that's awesome. There's something really cool about doing it at the river. The last couple of years we haven't had that option open to us for scheduling or placement. You know, two years ago we went out to Fort Spokane and all. Awesome. Own- and it was almost a polar bear, <laughs> Fastest baptisms I've ever done. <laughs> I, went, I went into the, 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 the restroom to change and I came out and it was like, did the rapture happen? Where'd everybody go? <laughs> we were gone, it was cold. Uh, but but, but uh, still, there was, there was no snow on the ground, didn't count. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, um, now I'm so lost. Uh, oh, we, we, we can wait for the summer. We can wait for the river. That availability is going to be ours. Uh, we bought that uh, big plastic horse trough we used last year that was great. That thing worked so well that the Canes asked if they could use it for a swimming pool the rest of the time they were here. Uh, for those of you who don't know Brad and Shiloh, missionaries who spent uh, a month in the trailer out there and with kids, and we said, sure, so they used that as their swimming pool for the rest of the month. (laughs) And and it was, and it was, and we have that and we can roll that out and we can do it. We can go down to the river in the winter and then someday, someday somebody's going to take me up on that and uh, I'm going to have to to prove, prove I mean it. But uh, I I thought, uh, I'll I'll tell you my personal struggle I've had with that is that it sounds like a publicity stunt and I don't like that. But at the same time, it's like if a, a baptism, doesn't hurt if a baptism is memorable <laughs> it doesn't hurt if somebody can say something I thought it's okay I'm gonna do it so if, if that's you you say I want to be that guy well then I want to be the guy that takes you out in the water so uh, uh, just to be fair I'll get dumped all the way too because otherwise I'd be cheating um, baptism is a believers act of faith in Christ it's a believers act of obedience and, and why do we do it because we want to be disciples Okay. Now, I it's it's not summer, I'm not saying, I'm not challenging anybody to be polar bear baptized. <laughs> I'm not challenging somebody to go out and be baptized right now. But if you haven't been baptized, I want to tell you there's something that Jesus Christ has asked you to do that you haven't done. I want to encourage you to to, or maybe challenge you, to think about that and take action that would make you a disciple. Okay? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, and I thank you for the blessings you give. I thank you for this act, this simple act of obedience that says so much. Father, I ask each one of us to be faithful. I ask for each one of us to be a disciple, walking according to what you want us to do. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.